0: Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. What's up, everybody? Sunday night, Tracy Pinter's here, and we are doing Sunday night teacher talk, which is, the idea here is, as I'm always saying, but maybe this is your first time, you have no idea what, the heck is going on here? Um, the idea is Sunday nights can be terrifying for teachers and students alike, and so we are just trying to create this community on Sunday nights that meets and we talk about stuff. We talk about what's going on in our classrooms. Um, I give advice. People on the sides give it on the sides on the side here in the comment section. We'll give you advice on stuff, um, and I have some really two really I think really fun things to kind of announce tonight, and I'll get to those in a little bit um but first i'm just waiting for people to get in here uh leah pratt what's up uh hails teach i see all these people that i know already the crafty preschool teacher amy roberts arturo aguilar i think i said that right jessica uh nayara nayara is always tuning in from china i don't know how you get this time off every time Uh uh-oh mark darden king of the sour patch kids is on here he's one of my students um Shout me out when you get a chance. Hello, Mark. I'm shouting you out now. There it is. Uh, Mark Darden went with me to Costa Rica, and you can see that whole video on a series of them on here. Um, Arturo from Honduras. Nice. Uh, What time is it in Honduras? I'm always interested in, like, what time it is in different places. Uh, Jackie. Mel. What's up? Oh, my gosh. I love this. Piano boy. I see everybody on there. Um. And so I'm just saying, how are you? Emmanuel, J. Dobson, 4.06 p.m. So really, it's only an hour behind Philadelphia? That's funny. Um, I don't know why I thought it would be different. I think when we were in Belize, it was only like an hour or two last year, and and that was interesting to me. So I have this crazy setup tonight. It is pitch blackout already in New Jersey. And so – I have I forgot my ring light at school and so I brought a shop light in from my I have like this tiny little wood shop behind my house and now I have this crazy situation here and I feel very pale because it's you know November. Um so let's let's uh I'm cruising in Australia. I'm about to get on a cruise here in Australia still wanted to jump in yeah jay dobson that's what i'm talking about. that's some commitment um i i love it cody miller saying you can finally get in here so jay dobson i hope that your cruise is uh is amazing and i'm gonna jump i'm gonna jump into this um so first of all in a moment those of you that are watching now will know when this happens other people will tune in and be like what in the world is happening so the the beast went to go get a haircut and it, it is much needed he he had so much hair o- over his face that he was like walking into the wall and stuff, which is kind of sad and hilarious at the same time. But like, we just could not get him into the groomer, they didn't have any openings. So finally, I get him in today. And so when he comes home, he's gonna be extremely excited to see me. So there will be this sort of pause in the broadcast of me greeting the beast and trying to calm him down because he gets super excited. Um, because he hasn't seen me literally in a while, so that's happening. Um, tonight too. And then I have two important announcements I want to make in the middle. But first, I want to tell you about my friends at Teachers Connect. My friend Frank reached out to me a while ago and he's like, Hey man, I have this site, it's called Teachers Connect, and we do um all kinds of cool stuff on there. But mainly it's a space for oh, there goes power Mainly it's a space for teachers to go on to get advice from other teachers, right? There are no parents, there are no students on there. Um it's, and so in that way, it's very, very interesting. So I think um, it's a great resource. And I am on there every week. And I pull a question from there every week. And so I wanted to share with you this question. And not just for me, but like, maybe you want to go on, maybe you've had this experience, and you want to go on there and, and leave an answer for this young woman who's having a hard time in her school. And her, her situation is that she says, how do you deal with the tension in the workplace? So currently, long story short or with me it's usually short story long she is this is man i'm never gonna get this first name right but it's the last name's covington and that is my own fault because i can't pronounce names but um she's essentially saying like there's like this drama happening within her grade level amongst the teachers she is not a part of it thankfully but um she feels like she's kind of pulled in, in two different directions. Like, does she take a side? What, how does she handle this? It's affecting the, the, the workplace. And I think, I, you know, one of the things I think of when that goes on is like one of two things. And one of those things is that I try to stay out of it. And, I, you know, the even today, even today at my house. So like the kids are going crazy and um, for a whole host of reasons, their friends are over. People aren't getting along. Um, the, you know, the toilet broke upstairs. I had to fix the toilet, excuse me. And so with all this stuff going on, I think even in our classrooms, you start feeling anxiety when you feel like you can't control something when you, when people aren't getting along, but you don't have the, the, the power to like reconnect those people. And when you're feeling powerless I think that that is um, a huge draw of like stress and tension. So when you feel like you can't control your class because your management is off or when you feel like you're not sure if you're getting asked back next year. So you're feeling anxious about that when somebody else is coming in to observe you to tell you how well you're doing. All of that stuff can be really draining and stressful because you're out of control. And so I think one of the things that I do. Well, in those moments is I double down on the things I am good at. So I double down on the student relationships, on my lessons, on my connections that are going well with other people. And that has a tendency to bleed over into the other parts of my life, which is really a kind of a disgusting term. But anyway, um, and I think the other interesting thing is to just be an, um, an open door. If someone wants to talk about it, not just sit there and complain about it and vent about it over and over and over again, but to actually like work on it or just have someone hear them out. And that doesn't cause you to take a side. It's like, Hey, look, I want, you to know, I'm I'm I want to kind of stay out of this, but if you need someone to talk to, then that's me. And, and I just think that that is a great space to kind of start in. So let's jump into your uh, questions. What do you guys, what do you got on here? Um, I I'm waiting for the wife to get home. So if I skip your question, it is not something I'm doing intentional. Uh, it's something that is completely accidental. Um, Piano Boy says, I wish I could watch more, but I'm filling out my first application for a teaching position. I wanted to say hi. Um, Awesome, man. Let us know if you need any help, if you get in any – because I know those questions can be crazy. Uh, What's up, Arizona? You broadcast right when I wake up to get ready for work. I listen to this like a live podcast. All right, Nayar, that's awesome. Um, Sorry, I'm looking for questions because typically the way that this works is The not so secret wife, um, like hands me questions because she reads through all of your comments and stuff. So let's start with this. And then if I mess up, I will, I promise I'll try and get to all of your questions. Uh, Beth is saying thoughts on school safety. I'm writing a paper on it right now. I think it is so amazing to me that like most of the rest of you, I'm sure you would say the same thing that the fact that school safety is even an issue like that we have to, we have to do something more like that the money's not there. Somebody has to be convinced to give funding for it. It's like so bonkers. I saw something on the news, which I rarely watch. So I don't even know how I caught this, but there's a system um, that sort of looks like someone comes into your school. They're not supposed to be there. Let's say that it's someone that's dangerous, right? They can seal off certain sections. So they kind of like lock them in. There is smoke that comes out of the ceiling sort of like a fog machine there's a loud noise that is made and there are um like strobe lights that go off and so kind of looks like a club but kind of looks like what it's supposed to do is disorient someone so they don't have just free reign they're not running around they're not being calculated and you can't really like plan for that scenario and so that i just think that that is you know amazing but they said it's going to cost like i don't know maybe it was a half million dollars or something like that to put in each school but to me it's like how come that isn't just like we don't just make that happen like there's all kinds of crazy stuff that gets money raised for it. i remember when my guy uh gregory boyle uh, in california was saying that like um he couldn't get money from folks to keep his gang rehabilitation place open which is the the most successful and largest gang rehabilitation program of all time. But at that same exact time, a giraffe needed to be relocated in like the, the San Diego zoo or something like that. And they were able to raise millions of dollars to do that. So I think it really is based on like, here he comes. Hello, my friend. I'm on the live feed. Here comes the beast. And he's got a bow tie on. Does he have an after hours job? What's he doing? Driving a taxi cab? Uh, so this is just going to happen for a moment. So I just think that like, yeah, school safety, it's just kind of amazing to me that that even has to happen. Um, or that we even have to kind of figure that out. Uh, I'm drowning over here without you, wife. I know. How do we implement new classroom management procedures? Three months in my kids are great with, Meeting the expectations I set early on, but it's unforeseen stuff that can cause issues. Um, uh, so Michael Silva, I would say you um, this is all set up for you. So you get, I, I just think you just start over. I think you just mark the moment and say, Hey, this has been, these are the things I'm noticing that have been going great. I'm noticing that. You know, whatever it is, we're all coming in on time. We're sitting in our seats. We're, we're ready to work. Our bags are put away. Our lunch boxes are put where they're supposed to be, whatever it is. And then you are saying, So I want to pick it up a notch, right? Like, this is where we're going to get to because you can go to the gym and start working out and stuff, but at some point, you're going to you're going to plateau and that's either going to lead to you not doing it anymore, or you can shift it and go up a notch and get, and do better. So like turn the thermostat up in your class, so to say, uh, so to speak. And like, um, I think it's fine, but I would just note it. And then I would note the good things that are happening so far too. This is what I'm seeing. This is great. Now let's take it up a notch. You know, when they say, you have to set the tone in your classroom in that first day or that first week, or you can never get it back. I just think that's such nonsense. I have screwed up classes royally before and still come back from it because you go, all right, look, this isn't working, right? You can do this with a lesson. You can do this with a day. Your day might be going terrible, and you might be able to just say, can we just stop for a moment and notice? I don't like the way that this is going. Let's shift gears. And then you'd be surprised what your students will step up and do when that happens. He also said that um Ie kids are one-to-one with laptops this year and gchat is an issue i do not know exactly what to do about that because i don't know if that can be um disabled or or monitored in some way so i don't know if maybe somebody can give michael um a bit of advice here on the side um and i'm going to offer you another option in a moment too but like i'm waiting to get Uh, into this a little bit so so, something else we're working on that might be able to help you out in that situation but if you have a bit of advice for michael on what to do with that with stopping gchat uh situation in school that would be interesting i teach freshmen and our freshmen don't have um chromebooks yet they don't get them until 10th grade so i don't have to deal with them no sound no sound on for me no it's got to be working is that working Go all the way down. Go the way down I had it on. Wait, let let see if I can Yeah. I don't know. I can hear. Yeah. That. All right. No, maybe their thing is muted or something like that. Okay. Uh, what do you got, babe? Anything? Hey, Muppets on here. What's up, Muppet? Uh, Muppets, one of my students. He was very excited about the snow the other day. We had snow in Philadelphia, which was insane this time of the year. Uh, my buddy Nayara is saying, do you know Nayara listens to us like a podcast? I just read it. When she gets ready for school. Um, any thoughts on fostering kindness in the classroom? Unfortunately, all of our seventh, our grade seven classes this year have been so mean and isolating to each other, really uncharacteristic of our school culture. I, I think for me, all of that stuff works in a one-to-one sort of situation. Like you have to do like. I meet with kids one-on-one. So I have a kid this year. I have several kids this year that are a handful. Right. And, but I know, I just know, I've been talking to my co-teacher about it. I know that I can win with these kids. Like I've not lost hope at all, but it is, it is like, like, I don't, I'm trying to think of how, how I kind of want to put this. It is like, what you have to do is just meet them where they are, Talk to them after school, talk to them on the side, talk to them in the morning, talk to them after school, whatever it is, and just keep checking in and then having those conversations of, with them about like what's going on in in your class, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well, what you're noticing, how they're feeling, what's going on. And you're constantly building that relationship, but it is a slow business sometimes. And so, look, I think sometimes I think this is my takeaway of this also is like, you know, I think, Sometimes we get, we think this has to happen this day, this week, this month, this year, but sometimes growing a student takes longer than that. Sometimes you do not necessarily reap the benefits of the hard work you're doing, but like, so my grade, I sometimes will hear from 10th grade teachers like, oh, I thought that kid was terrible. He's actually pretty good. And it's like, yeah, bro, because we put a lot of work into that kid. That was, that's no accident. They didn't just grow up over the summer they actually like, we put a lot of hard work into them. And so that is just, I would have that kind of like long-term mindset and then just keep like doing one-on-one interactions with those students or two-on-one interactions with those students to get them to buy in, to see that you believe in them, to see that you, you know, how they should act and, and have that conversation like that. What do you got, buddy? Cody Miller is saying... Uh, how do you handle students who are argumentative and struggle taking responsibility for their actions? I'm a first year teacher this year and I've been struggling with this all year. So look, there's, there's a couple different kinds of dudes in this situation. So I'd say this year I have a handful of kids that uh, I've had a lot of negative interactions with, right. But they, when I can break it down and, and they, you know, I see them in the hallway or I see them after school or I hold them back at the end of the period and say, "Hey, come here, let me talk to you real quick." It typically looks like, this is like, what's going on? Tell me what's going on." So like our assistant principal does this thing where he just goes, "How's it going?" You know, You don't like <clears throat> focus on the negative or the positive or anything. You just go, "How's it going?" And I think that's a really interesting insight into that. So after asking, how's it going, Sometimes kids will just launch right into what their problem is. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they talk about something else, but it's all Intel, right? That's what you're getting in, in these conversations. Then you switch it to look, man, this is what I'm noticing or woman, because I teach all boys. I just think about that all the time. Um, what this is what I'm noticing in my class. And I'm wondering what's going on with that. Cause I, I might, be thinking I'm seeing something but I'm not like I'm just like sometimes I think someone's being disruptive or I think they're being rude and then I find out they're really just trying to find someone a pencil or a pen or trying to do something kind but but I'm just hearing people talk out of turn so I think taking it slow and asking questions like that in the one-on-one and then building that trust over time and I've had I have very real conversations with kids where I say like look you know you're repeating the year already, or this is going on, or that's going on, and, or this is what I'm seeing, and you just don't win this way, like, like, whatever your goal is, you do not win behaving this particular way, and then I have other students that are just not having it, they just will not even have the conversation with you, it all becomes like, you're picking on me, it's you doing the wrong thing, it's, you know, you don't, you know, they just are not accountable for anything, and To some extent, I can really listen to that. But what I think is really is they're kind of like it's – these are all – on. this is stuff that's happening as part of something else that's going on inside of them. At that point, I just start pulling other teachers in and having lunch with those students with other teachers or meetings with parents or meetings with a large group of teachers. And that usually works a lot better that way as well. Yeah, I did that one. This one's all set. Uh, Jamie – Zamco, Zamco, uh, how do you decide which classes will have speakers and does your speaker stay all day and speak to all the classes? Also, do you still have your PO box? I do. It's PO box 11. Can you put that in the comment section for me? PO box 11, Gloucester city, G L O U C E S T R, New Jersey, way for life is going to put it in the bottom. Um, but yeah, it's PO box 11. So I, I, this is how I run speakers. This year, I so I haven't had anyone come in yet this year. It's been a slow grow this year because I'm trying to figure out like when to get people in, um, or folks are like finishing things up before the holidays, and it's it's been a slow grow this year. But um, which is fine, and I, we just go with it because I think we're gonna really hit. So at some point, and it'll just take off. Uh, we are i typically have them come in for one period i feel like i don't want to take up too much of someone's day but i'm strategic about which period i pick and then i give kids passes from other classes to come in and be a part of that speaker series and i approve it with them ahead of time like i'll let their teachers know like this is what's going on this is what they're doing um and and that typically works this year since we now get out at 255 uh I think what I'm going to do is ask people to come in at that time and if that works for them. And then I will just make a a group of kids that I know I want to stay. And I'll say, hey, do you want to stay for an extra hour after school? But I have this great person coming in and we're going to do this thing because the students never want to go home anyway. I think that's going to actually work better because then sometimes the speaker, it goes long because it's really great. And then you have all these kids that are late. You have another class that's coming in. It's like kind of a nightmare scenario. So I think it's the after school thing is what I'm going to do this year. Um, And, you know, but it's also interesting to think of, can you meet them somewhere else too? So if someone has a studio, if someone has a dance studio or a business or something like that, can you take a small trip for part of the day to go see them as well? Because it might just be cooler to see them in their element and get the kids out of their element we you got, that one? Well, it's not a question. You can just read it. Um, Emmanuel. Okay. I'm going to, I know. Gosh, there's so many vowels and I can't. <laughs> what's wrong with my brain? Um, Emmanuel, I'm going to go with that. OMG, playing that song worked. I played Glory of Love a bunch of times over the weekend, first of all. Or over the week. I know. Listen, I'm just so excited that anyone played Glory of Love. <laughs> we should get tattoos that say Glory. No, we shouldn't. Glory of Love. No. How about you get part of it and right. I'll get part of it
1: around our other tattoos we that we got. Look, together. look at
0: that. Love. Dude, you're wrong. Oh, is it? No, um, no come on. Um, I don't do it that Come one. on, glory of love. Anyway, mm. uh, and not one fight since. Plus, students have a love-hate feeling for it. When your students learn Glory of Love by Peter Cetera, it will change their lives. Um, and it will be magical. That's a great work. I'm really glad that you did that. I'm glad that it worked. So Kimberly Wallback, my old buddy, is saying uh, I am a TA and was wondering how to help a teacher with a very disruptive class that will not listen or work. I think she said fifth grade, fifth grade. I think you as a TA have a lot of power and not a lot of people realize that like folks that are just paras sometimes think like they'll email me and they're like, well, I'm just a parrot. You're not just anything. I'm not saying you're saying this, but like, um, I just think you have a lot of power because you can connect with children. And if you connect with them by doing all the things I'm always talking about, you can build those relationships and those will work that that helps in the classroom. I think the other thing is, is sometimes if a class is bonkers, right. And like, it's myself and my co-teacher in there, what we will do is not focus on all the kids that are out of control, right? Like it's to some extent, you can't have that going on. Like there's no one like, running around in the classroom or something. There's just like dudes not doing work and talking and you've tried to talk to them and you've asked them several times and they still don't want to do work or they're just being defiant. So what I'll do is take three kids that are flying under the radar, sit down with them. He takes three kids, sits down with them. And now we at least have six people that are a hundred percent on point. And then you can get them started. Like you're sort of like getting them on the bike telling them how to pedal, and then you're pushing them off so that they can finish the ride out themselves. Then you go to the next group and you do it like that. And before you know it, you can get 80 to 90% of your kids on task by doing that. And then those other guys, it becomes, dude, look, whenever you're ready, like we're the rest of us are all done or all moving. Like, I don't understand what's happening with you. So if you want to be a part of this, like why don't you come over and work with us? Or those other guys get done early and you send them over to help the dude. So last week, my man Grant was like, finished his, this new kid that I have this year, finished his project early and then just went around and helped other students. And that really was super helpful. So I think when that's happening in the classroom, it's about not looking at the whole problem or the whole class. It's looking at individuals and really kind of paring it down and going one by one or three by three. And that's how you win that that kind of game. Uh, Howard's art class is asking started. My classroom YouTube channel today. I was inspired by your videos. Any tips on work-life balance? Um, So first of all, congratulations. Uh, I think, geez, since we started YouTube, there have been so many people that have sort of come and gone because it's a lot of work. Like it is – I – typically on a youtube video i will you know you have to stay at your school you have to set up all your stuff you have to record all your stuff you have to come home you have to edit that can take any number of hours oh, well you have you to forgot, find you forgot uploading all of your stuff to your computer from your oh camera. yeah you got to upload everything which takes a while and then making the video and i'm not trying to like dissuade you at all i'm just being real about this um it's editing all the stuff it's finding music for all the stuff it's making the thumbnail it's uploading it back to youtube it's setting up all your tags and all that stuff underneath i think Try to be consistent, but don't try to do it like every single day, right? Like it, like whenever I've talked about this before, <clears throat> whenever I take a break from going to the gym, right, I because life is too busy or because I just don't feel like it or whatever, when I go back, I do not go back to the to the routine that I ended the last time with. So if I have six months strong at the gym and then I take a month off or two months off, I don't go back in like, all right, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna do these ten exercises and do this many reps. Nope. I go in and I run on the treadmill for one mile because that's something that's easy that I can do. And it didn't used to be, I didn't even run until I was 35 years old, but that's it one mile. And then I can walk out that can literally take me 20 minutes and I'm out of there. And then I don't have to go back if I don't want to, but I think you rig the game so that you can win. And so in starting a YouTube channel, that's what I would do. I would start with just, you know, Maybe you put out a three minute video once a week or twice a week or whatever it is. And then that's how you kind of scale it. Um, But take it slow, but steady. What you don't want to do is be the person that uploads and then you don't upload for four more months because you're freaking out about it because you're making it too big of a deal. Don't make it a big deal. Just keep putting stuff out there and do not compare yourself to anyone else, right? I do not have the biggest YouTube channel by far, but... I deeply care about all the people that send me emails that send me comments that write to me, that send me stuff in the mail. Like I, I love all that stuff. And so I, I know you're telling me to go on, but no, I, I wanted no, to I tell everyone saying, how much like, I love. Like, oh, them. Yeah, no, I think it's, you're right. I thought you were trying to say something. No, else. I, Not bad. To you um, I just think that it's awesome to have that kind of stuff. Uh, well, people think it comes really quick, but it's it's not. YouTube takes, if you're trying to grow a channel, it's a long process. It is, especially when you're an old guy like me. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> LGB is asking, that's a very nice profile picture. Uh, have my, I feel like my students all have profile pictures where it was like a picture someone took them across the street when they were standing in the shadows. And I'm like, bro, nobody can even see what okay. you look like like that. Have you done restorative circles? I have not like officially, right? So I'm big on that sort of restorative piece that a lot of schools are getting into now. But I think what it's looked like with me is I always talk to individuals. Um, so there's a couple of different ways you can do this. And the way that I typically do is talk to kids that are feuding individually and then kind of bring them together. I try not to do that by myself as much as I can. Usually it's like my friend Miss Cho or another trusted teacher in the school so that I'm not the be all end all in that situation. So I find somebody else that the kids trust and they become a part of the conversation. And I just think, you know, in, in thinking of that, the most important thing is to remember that your attention is more important than your advice that you can give um, advice, but really it's people wanting to be heard and, and not you thinking about the next thing that you're going to say or what that reminds you of or cutting them off. It's really just sitting there and just listening to everything that they have to say. And then um, asking sort of follow-up questions. And then a lot of times I find that kids like figure it out themselves. You don't even have to say anything. It's like, they just can say it because um, they, they realize like what they did was wrong or what was hurtful or whatever. So that's how that kind of works out for me. And then, um, because sometimes I can't say anything. Sometimes somebody has lost someone to gun violence and they're freaking out in class and they're not doing the right thing. And then it's like, I don't know. What do I say to that? I've never lost like a family member to, to gun violence in my life, but I can show up for them and I can be a part of that process. And and sometimes that's, that's enough. Are you going there? You oh, sh- no. But oh. I- oh, Steve Herms gave a dollar. Thanks, Stephen Herms. Appreciate it, man. Especially because we've been. Buying a lot of student stuff lately so <laughs> um Whitney Stewart is asking I'm in the last few weeks of student teaching with 11th graders I'm struggling to get the kids to take me seriously and not walk all and not talk over me I'm tired of writing referrals and detentions what can I do oh you know I th- would you say shop, them? shop them. <laughs> we have talked about that before or what if you could tase kids real quick? Like. Z- uh, uh You know, that look, it's a hard thing to answer, but I'll say this is what worked for me when I started out. It becomes when you feel completely out of control and that the class is out of control, it is the worst thing. So I think it's about figuring out how you can get kind of one kid under control, how you can connect with one student or have one thing going on and then scale it from there. So I think for showing up tomorrow – what I would do is on your PowerPoint or on the board, I say this a lot. So if you've heard it before, I, I apologize, but now it applies to something. You <clears throat> do like uh, each task and then tell the kids, this is the opening test. This is the pre-class. We're doing a journal. We're doing a worksheet. We're doing 10 problems. You literally have this amount of time. And then we are moving on to the next thing. So If someone's not ready, if they're talking, if they're out of their seat, if they're not doing what you asked, if their heads down, whatever it is, the train's moving, kids. So like get on it. I had a guy the other day that we were having a test. I gave them 60 seconds or so to study for the test ahead of time. And my man showed up in class without his whole uniform on. He had like no tie on. He looked at extra from the from the hangover. No tie on, no jacket, sneakers on. Like, bro, you got to stand in the hallway and get ready, and then come back in. This is what I do with everyone, because otherwise, it's too distracting to everyone. This homie doesn't come back in for 25 minutes, and after which we were already done the test. He comes in, he goes, "Can I have the test?" No, be, we're we're done that already. Like the train moves on, so you can still take it, but you got to come in on your own time, like during lunch or after school. And I guarantee you do that once or twice, and someone. Like if they can't get in after school or during lunch, then they just chalked it. They took a zero because they didn't take responsibility for their own time. And I think things like that, when you put those time constraints on kids, it shows that the train is moving. It shows everything we're going to do today. Here's everything we're going to do. What is exactly it's going to look like and how much time it's all going to take. And what you're also doing is building an out for kids that are like, oh, my God. I hate doing this. It sucks. When you lecture, it takes forever. It's like, no, I'm really going to talk, look, for eight minutes today. Um, And then I think it's a really good move to hold kids back every day that are doing a great job or incentivize learning sometimes. So sometimes that just looks like, hey, I walk around, I put post notes on kids' desks. At the end of class, anybody that has a poster on their desk, could you just hang out for a second and then I'll give them pop tarts or I'll just say, hey, man, you're doing a really great job. I just wanted everyone to know. I know I get pissed off because these dudes are being knuckleheads. What that does also is it identifies everyone that's good, lets you know that, they see, that you see them, and then you kind of build those relationships um, and those kids can start taking ownership of the class. The last thing I'll say is student teaching is very difficult because the kids know you're not going to be there all year. When you know you're there all year, you have that time and that ability to build those relationships without another teacher sitting in the room. So it doesn't feel all awkward and weird. And it's just easier, I think, when you get to that point. Indie Kitty is asking Reynolds, are kids allowed to use any words they want in class? Nope. Um, they, I, I, oh gosh, how do I talk about this? I, I can talk however I want in class. Um, and 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 I don't recommend this for everyone. I do not think that is something you should just go in and start like saying whatever words you want. I, you know, it's interesting. I I was I was already doing this, and then I saw something on YouTube from Tony Robbins, and I never knew Tony Robbins cursed. But that dude curses like this is the self help improvement guy. Um, he curses all the time. But when asked about, it, I saw an interview with him, and they were like, "Why do you curse so much?" Like when you present, and he's like, "Because it's all strategic." And if you can say something in a shocking way, in some kind of crazy way, if you use a word that no one expected, it makes people pay attention. Students, I think the reason that real rap works with students, and I mean talking for real with students doesn't mean you have to curse, is the reason that works is kids are so used to hearing teachers talk the same way to them listen, man, I really think you can do a great job. I really think that you're worth something. I think that stuff's great and it works. I think telling students that kind of stuff works. But if I tell someone, bro, you're literally acting like a jackass every single day, there's no chance that that kid probably heard someone talk to him like that before. And then I can say, and here's the problem that I have with that. I think you have so much potential and you are a wonderful human being. And then here's examples of how I know that. And I just want what's best for you. Can you work with me so that we can go from here to there or at least move the needle a little bit? And that I think kids can hear more. But I don't let kids just curse because I think a lot of cursing is just lazy. It's just folks like Malcolm X would say like people curse because they don't have the vocabulary to use other words. And although I think that's sometimes true, I think that certain language can be extremely strategic with students. I just can't, I just can't recommend it for people because I don't, you know, what if you do it wrong? I don't know. Uh, my buddy Summer Tate is asking, I have an eighth grade class with one to three, with one to three defined as, oh, okay. One third. Yeah, I don't know why I'm saying that. With one third defined as at risk, r- at risk failing. Those kids don't turn in work and are not motivated, involved in gangs, etc. cetera. I'm planning a motivational lesson next week. Um, And then said and weaving in some competitions, any advice, there's a lot of potential. Our discussions are rich, but they're immature and don't seem to care about school. And I cannot reach many of their parents. Summer, can you remind me what grade you teach? Do you remember? Oh, she said grade. oh, did she say it in there? Oh, she did say eighth grade. Okay. So I, gosh, I, I yeah, this thing, it always goes back to having lunch with students or, um, gosh, I'm going to give you some advice. I can't recommend it, but i can what i but but, but wait here's the thing advice, but some stuff some stuff works for me and i think teaching's about figuring out what works for you and so i don't want to say this is what you should do and this and this and this because maybe there's constraints in your school that don't that don't allow you to do that so i have guys right that i am concerned about what's going to happen to them after they leave high school this year and i want them to know how much i care about them and how much they're worth and and It's hard to do that in school all the time because it's the same. You walk in and you start going through the motions and it's the same day and everyone puts a coat in the same place. You sit in the same place. So um, the wife for life and I came up with this idea that the week after Thanksgiving, because this week in the U.S. is Thanksgiving and it's hard to like have that happen. It's also my birthday this week. Um, And so they we have this idea that we want to have like five or six kids. Um, we're going to get a school van. We're going to bring them over one night for dinner and they'll have dinner with my family and I, and I've done this before. And the thing that is bonkers about that is like kids get to see what a new normal could perhaps be like, Oh, this is how a family works. Or like when I tell students that I eat at the dining room table with my children, like just about every night, um, it blows their minds like they don't do that and it's not saying that our lives are better than our students are right it's just a different normal that I have it's something that's important to me and I show kids that look this is important to me and this is why and this is why I do it and so maybe one day you want to do this also I think eating lunch with students and having those conversations goes really far I think doing stuff like when I took my students and a lot of people don't know this but um about a year and a half ago almost two years ago now we went to New York City, and we saw we met with Gary Vaynerchuk, who's this big YouTube superstar, right? And also owns like a gazillion dollar business. And that advice coming from him on like on like what's next in your life and what what impact um, your decisions make on your life coming from someone else was literally like the same stuff I say all the time, but just coming from a different person made all the difference. And that meeting literally. Changed kids' lives. So maybe consider like bringing someone in or taking those kids on a trip or taking them to a college or taking them to a business and seeing how people work, getting them out of their own world, out of their element. I think sometimes, right? Here's an important tip. Sometimes you need to touch the dream to know that you were supposed to be there or to get a taste of it, right? So, like, if you, I, there's this guy, Ed Milette, that talked about doing this, um, where he said, like, he would work his ass off. And then every once in a while, when he had a good week at work, his wife, he and his wife would stay at the Ritz-Carlton, right? And so they would go to the Ritz-Carlton and he would play a little bit of golf. She would get a massage, but they at least like tasted what success was like, was like, I think every once in a while, we need to taste the dream or touch the dream. And when we can do that. It opens our eyes to, like, what's actually possible, especially when you're dealing with kids that come from that kind of world. They need to get out of it and not just see it, but they need to, like, actually interact with the dream that they want to have, and then it makes it more of a reality. Because when you see it, you can be it. Bam. Bumper sticker. Um, Zara, Jay, is saying – You seem like a very likable person, but have you ever had a student that just didn't like you? What is his or her reason? Oh, every single year somebody doesn't like me. I think they don't like me because I don't, I don't, I just, I'm honest with students. I don't, I don't sugarcoat stuff. um, And I don't suffer fools very well. And and I, although I, sometimes I wish I did a little bit better because I think I just get aggravated and then I'm like kind of, uh. I am I never cut you off. I never am am over a student ever. I, but I will say okay like if how do I how do I kind of put this? I feel like some students are swimming into the ocean and I'm paddling out on my boat going no 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 I can help you get on the boat and I can show you like we can we can save I am trying not selling, like, you know, freaking white savior here but like but like if education is We're like, I can, I can lead you there. If you get into the boat with me, but kids just keep swimming out. It's like, bro, I'm not just going to keep swimming out there forever to you. Like, I'm going to like, um, I'm going to wait at some point and go, I'll wait for you to get in the boat, but just let me know when you're ready. We'll get in the boat. We can still row there. We can still have the education. We can still have the experience. You can still have the relationship. But I think sometimes kids are so far gone. They don't want that. But you know what? I've had so many, so many kids over the years that I have won with or the school has won with or I found somebody to win with that it is I can say with a thousand percent certainty that you should never, ever, ever give up on a kid because there. it just takes a second for someone to switch and to to get it or to go, oh, wait, that's what you've been telling me the whole time or, oh, wait, what you're saying does make sense or, oh, wait, that's what Reynolds has been saying for four years. Yeah, bro, I've seen it happened so many times, literally like a week before graduation, someone has an awakening and now it's on. And so just don't give up. Remember, it's a lifelong process, not just this school year. Anthony Biggs, gave me a dollar, actually gave me a pound, which is $2 in American money, I believe, right? Um, oh, and then he said something. Hey, I listened to this army guy you recommended in your last video to get me set for the day thanks for giving me the tip awesome so the funny thing about that was that's my man jocko willink and he is awesome he's the most decorated navy seal in history but because i used that clip of my movie in my video it got demonetized and really the only reason we like monetize stuff is so that youtube pushes it but it was like <laughs> that was a weird laugh but it just okay. kind of sucked but i'm glad you like that guy man he's he's all world uh brooke Bogard is saying, planning on getting my master's in education while while I'll be getting my master's, I cannot teach. My state requires a master's degree. Wow. What jobs do you recommend that I could put my foot uh, through the door? Um, So I would say tutoring. You can make a lot of money tutoring. You can make like $30 to $50 an hour as a tutor. And I don't know that I would go through a company. I think that going through something like, uh, I don't know where you are. I'm assuming you're in the U.S., but I don't know why I'm assuming that. But around us, it's just using Craigslist and putting your stuff out there. And then it builds by word of mouth. There's also Dada ABC. And Dada ABC is an online tutoring program that I've worked with before. Like I've made videos for them before. Um, And what that is, is like they're trying to teach children in uh, elementary school in China how to speak English. It's completely scripted uh you all you need is like internet and you have to wear their blue t-shirt that's it but you could like literally rock pajama bottoms while you're doing it and i think they pay like 25 to 30 dollars an hour which is pretty good compared to like most like when i started teaching i had to work at home depot for nine bucks an hour and i couldn't make any money so i think those are the two things i would do and plus that's keeping you in the game like you're talking to people you're getting to know students you're learning how to like teach them and I think that that is just starts giving you a better sense of like what the job is. Uh, what am I doing? Do that now. Oh, oh, okay. Let's talk about this real quick. Um, so I have two, two, I think, very exciting things going on. One of which is um, who was who recommended that? Was it Josh? Andrew? Yeah. No, 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 the Facebook John. Oh, Anthony Biggs. Oh, Anthony Biggs. So Anthony Bigs hits me up last week. He's he's on here now, I believe. And Anthony and says, says that we should dollar. do... Oh, he just gave us... He gave us a pound, I think. He gave us $2. Bam. Um, he suggested doing a Facebook group, right? So what we've created, if you go to Real Rap with the Real Rap with Reynolds' Facebook page, um, you can uh, like ask to suggest to be put into this closed Facebook group. And this is the thing it's I think called. is awesome. Oh, it's called uh, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. The idea is a lot of you are ch- constantly having conversations in in the comment section which we want to have happen but for a place to go a little bit deeper and a safe space which look i literally i don't know if other youtubers some of them i've talked to do not have this situation we get almost nothing but love i could probably count on one hand how many times someone has like like Shit, talk to me in the comment section. Never. In, uh, yeah. You have two people that somehow don't like you. We no, every video seat. I get two thumbs down and I have a pretty good idea of who those people are. And But it's every <laughs> single time I will have me 200 agree. thumbs up and then two people give me a thumbs down. I'm like, whatever, bro. So with that in mind, like this is such a great group of people. And so if we can create something like a Facebook closed group where you have to be a teacher or in education, um, like like you're an education student or something like that, it gives people a safe space to go a little bit deeper. And those of you that have been building these relationships, I just I just feel like that's a really good move that Anthony came up with. I know that my wife for our son is in a number of different groups and it is invaluable to her. Like when she has problems with our special education department or we have questions about dyslexia or autism or whatever – she can go on there. She plugs in the question and she gets a flood of responses, like sometimes immediately. Right. And it is literally changed our lives. And so we want to be able to do that with all of you. So you just go on. You tell there's just like three simple questions. Just give us a sense of who you are. Like, um, what is it? What, what do you teach? Are you a teacher or a student? What do you teach and what's a strength that you bring to the classroom? Just to kind of give us a sense of like who's entering the group. That's it. Um, and then you're allowed in the group and then you can ask any question you want. And look, there's no rules. Like I'm not doing a thousand rules like a lot of Facebook groups do. We just ask that people don't try and solicit other folks. Like I don't want a business coming in and like trying to pull you one way or another. Um, It's just a place to kind of voice your opinion and get some advice that's extremely private. And it's this community that has been so, so awesome. The other thing we're doing is um, at the request of a lot of folks, We've been requested to do, or I've been requested to do a lot of mentoring and like what that is going to look like is this, if you're interested in getting mentoring with me and I, even if you've already t- sent me a text or an email saying, yes, yes, yes. What I would like is send me an email, letting me know that you're serious and you want to do this. And then I will email you back what that will look like, kind of what that's, cause we're going to charge for this, but like what that would cost. Um, and What I want to do is really be able to go deep with folks where you have a question, I have a follow-up, there's phone calls. This happens once or twice a week. Um, There's a real deep dive into your teaching and into who you are to try and help you to be the best teacher that you can. Um, I And so that's something I just want to offer to folks because I really feel like people need it. And and so that's something we're, we're offering. So shoot me an email and then we will flesh out what that's going to look like between the two of us. Um, and it's, I promise it will be awesome. Like I probably shouldn't promise things like that, but I'm telling you, like I will bring everything that I can to that. And I will try and make your year the greatest year that could ever possibly be. And that I want to try and do that with you. So if you are interested in that, just shoot me an email. Um, and, and we'll get on it. Um, space is limited though. So, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the other 9,000 things I want to do. But I just think it's such an awesome thing to be able to do for people. Hannah Space is saying another great profile picture. Uh, that's a great analogy. I have a question that I have placed on Insta and we haven't had time to chat about it. Oh, wait, is this what, maybe this is what I think it is? But uh, what do you do with kids who don't believe because their parents don't in the value of school? I would say. You got to paint the picture. You got to you got to create. Look, I mean, I teach in a neighborhood where a lot of my guys don't leave the block. It's not that they don't know anything outside of Philly. They don't know or outside of West Philly. It's they don't know anything outside of 52nd Street. Like that's what they rep, that's where they go, that's where they stay. They go from school to there and that's it. I have a lot of students that don't play outside. Like they don't play basketball. They're not like Hanging on the stoop and stuff because they don't want to get mixed up in what's on the street. So that creates a very, very. What happened? I don't know. You just skipped out. Cheeks are getting all red. You can still hear me. All right. You can still hear me. It doesn't matter. You see my my red cheeks. So I think that creates a very limited worldview. And so what you. Become is just constantly infusing their world with things that they didn't even know existed. Um, so that could look like videos or, you know, silliness, speakers, taking them on trips, and in micro doses, right? It doesn't have to be look. Right. You yeah, but I can't. I can't even access the, the chat anymore. Oh, let's see. The chat is not working, and it uh, seems to type frozen. In yours. I don't have it on um, mobile. But- can you see me oh video hear me oh richard oysters that works for him apparently it's on point in kentucky uh so i i think um she said trips are hard because we are in a rural area but i i do silliness as well um I would say if you're in a rural area, here's here's what I would do. No, I got it. I got it. Just keep going. Oh, no, no. Well, I was going to use that as an example. But oh, I'm sorry. I, no, you're right. I, I shouldn't have done that. I would go on Instagram. And on Instagram, I would go to the little search thing on Instagram. And then you can type in where you live, right? So whether it's the state, the county, the city, the neighborhood, whatever it is. And once you do that, you can search the so you'll get a whole bunch of different pictures, right? But the top nine or so are the most popular posts in that area and just see who lives there. Maybe there's an artist that lives in in your rural community or a business person. Or, I mean, like the fact that like Warren Buffett lives in Omaha, Nebraska, I think, right. Is like bonkers to me. But I think that just proves the point that like, there are interesting people that live all over the place. You might just not know where they are yet. So looking on Instagram, I find people like that all the time. That's how I find every street artist that comes into my school. I look them up on Instagram. I shoot them a DM and then, which is just like a direct message on Instagram. And that's where I find folks to bring in. And I think that's a a good first move to do that. And if that doesn't work, sometimes DMing people anyway and asking them to like Skype with your class or to do some sort of like video interview or something along those lines can help broaden that world also. Because again, what you're trying to do is just broaden the worldview a bit um, and that that just really helps. I like that pause on that insane picture of me mm-hmm. on there. Uh, what do you got? Oh, I'm holding. Excuse me. Jeez, that's why we have the editing. <laughs> Jeez, what was that? Uh, I'm sorry. Hold on. There's so much. Should I do a dance? Uh huh. While we're waiting, I'm waiting for a question from my life okay. partner over here. Um I just answered that one. Oh, that's so look down yeah. for the next question. Sorry, I'm having technical difficulties with my YouTube. Uh account. all right, I'm just gonna go to one and then you find one. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh ink, Ink like a pen is asking, first year teacher here. I've had a difficult couple of months. The the class that I have, there are several students who have severe social emotional needs. It's manifested into behavioral issues. Many uh, or most of my lessons get interrupted with arguments or fights. Long story short, I've become so anxious about work and finding my confidence completely shot. My motivation is completely gone. This is, that's really, I'm really sorry that that, that, that happens. And I'm, you know, and like, like, look, let me say this. Before I just give you an answer, I think the fact that, like, look, I mean, we sign up for this, right? We sign up for the fact that. There's going to be hard kids in our class because those kids are the – it is the greatest payoff when you can help a student that did not want to be helped, that did not want anything to do with you, did not want to be a part of what you were doing in class. And when you can win that kid over, you feel like your whole world changes. Um, I had an experience with a student last week that was just magical, and it was very hard, like four years in the making, and they finally – kind of opened up to it and it was magical. That being said, um, it sucks that like the admin's not there, that there's not, you know, therapists in schools to like really help kids through a lot of this stuff and, and that we have to figure out how to do that. So I think the first thing I would do is really start researching some of that stuff. Even if you look it up on podcasts, I think the more you can understand where students are coming from, it doesn't necessarily make your class better, but when we we can understand why someone's freaking out, it can create a sense of empathy and a sense of understanding, at least as to where they're coming from. So any number of kids I've had over the years, when I learn their story, it's like, um, Say someone is in my class, they're belligerent every single day. They don't take ownership for anything ever. They just start crap every single day. I have to keep kicking them out. And then I find out mom and dad are getting a divorce and it's very, very nasty. And the kid feels caught in between and they're the only child. And it's like their whole life has been uprooted. Well, now it doesn't make what you're doing okay. It just helps me understand it. So I would start looking into some of those students. What is their story? What's going on behind the scenes? What's happened in their lives? Maybe you ask them, maybe you find out from a counselor or something like that, and then start researching, like, what do you do in that situation? Like, um, because I think when you can do that for students and when students find out you're doing that, it's like, look, I care so much that like, I'm doing all this homework to try and help you. That doesn't, you don't have to guilt kids into, into feeling that way, but you're just explaining like, nope, this is how much I care. Like, I'm going to help you figure this out, or I want to help you figure this out, or let's figure this out together. I think that's a big, a really strong move. So, and I know I get it, man, when you just feel drained and unmotivated, it's like, you don't even want to do stuff for kids. You kind of, you can start resenting them and feeling like maybe you deserve how, how, what your life is like, because you're like this, but you know, better than that, you know, that why you got into this. And I think reminding yourself of your why, reminding yourself why you got into this job and the work that you want to have happened and what you want it to look like and then slowly chipping away that I promise you it gets better 10 years. And not to say that 10 years is a magic number, but like next year you will, if you work through some of those problems this year, you will see a huge difference next year and, and you'll be better equipped to kind of deal with that thing. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh Presley Philson is saying, any advice for future elementary school teachers. I think, look, I I think future teachers, teaching is only part of the skill, right? Like learning how to learning the content, learning how to teach the content is only part of the skill. The hardest part for teachers is the emotional part of that. And so I think building that muscle up in your body, like learning, because look, there's gonna be times when Things feel out of control, when things feel like you have, you can't handle them, like um, you get crushed and you feel deflated or destroyed at the end of the day. And I think figuring out that part of yourself, like how can you strengthen your emotional side, your spiritual side? How do you make it so that your heart isn't so vulnerable all the time? Looking into that, I think is really, really important. I think that one of the ways you do that is, Learning things like how to have difficult conversations, how to like um, succeed in the midst of madness and like starting to enter into those hard things. And then once you start exercising that muscle of like dealing with hardship, dealing with heartache, dealing. And I mean, we all have this in our lives anyway. So take charge of those moments in your life. I think that builds the muscle to help you to become a better teacher. Uh, What's your biggest challenge that you are facing this year with your classes. This is uh, Amron Nemeth, Nemeth, Nemeth. Um, Amron, I would say, geez, largest. Um, gosh, are our kids watching me upstairs? I have no idea why. I'm I think, right, I hear my voice upstairs. Brody and Marley, are you, are you watching me upstairs? <laughs> I think the hardest thing I'm dealing with this year is a couple of things. One, we changed our schedule this year. So I went from 55 minute classes to like 42 minute classes. And although that doesn't sound like a lot, it's like 12 minutes or so that there are oftentimes I get to the end of the class. I'm like, bro, I need 12 more minutes. Um, if I just had 12 more minutes, I would have gotten through this. So that's been a, a pretty big adjustment. And then our school day is shorter too. So it's like getting through all the stuff in a school day that I typically need to get through um, that I can't get through. And so figuring that stuff out as well. Um, and then, uh, I think, geez, what else? Um, I think every year is just like a new challenge every year. Look, you can teach for 30 years. And I think, let's say you taught ninth grade for 30 years, every year, the kids are different every year. They pose a new challenge or, or there's a new situation going on. And so it's just kind of like, A little bit like reinventing the wheel every year, but I think the way that you get better at that is like just knowing it. Like you just go into it knowing like this is not going to be like last year and I'm ready for it. It's like when you're a boxer, you fight all different people. Now, it's essentially the same thing, right? It's the same sport that you're in, but different fighters pose different risks and have different challenges and the school year is a lot like that. Uh, My buddy Nayara is saying, kind of random, but do you have uh, any kids who are rappers? There's a group of kids in my grade eight classes or G8 classes aspiring to be the first yellow rappers. Their words, not mine. (laughs) Hilarious. Uh, I do. So if you look up my man, uh, I'm going to type it in the bottom here. Mad Squabbles was a student of mine. He is unbelievably good. He just... I forget who he toured with this year. It was like, who's the guy that used to do um deaf poetry jam. Most deaf he went on tour with. I think he hung, I, he might've done something yeah, with the he roots. He's getting a big he's, deal. He's a, he's the big deal. Um, and then I have a bunch of other kids that are rappers also. Some of them are really good and some of them are trash. So in my hip hop class, we have cyphers on Fridays and kids write stuff and they, you know it's like eight mile like they'll everyone lets you know if you're trash or if you came back and, and you really handled your stuff that week so um oh, yeah i do have kids that want to i with uh more aspiring rappers their age especially for kids of color you should have Matt Swabbles. he would love to so if shoot me an email they are uh at real rap with the Reynolds at gmail.com and i'll connect you with my man mad squabbles and we'll see maybe what you can do there or if we can maybe connect our students somehow to do something like that would be fun as well your cheesesteak started doing writing music and um, he has raps and stuff yeah, yeah apparently it's really good i wish his mc name was cheesesteak though that would have been even better um rebecca may is saying how do you handle difficult parents who don't like Uh, how you are preparing students for the next grade level testing, et cetera. I, you know, that's interesting. Uh, I think I'm wondering a little bit about what that looks like. Like, what are they saying? What are they doing? How do you know? Are they emailing you? Are they calling you? Are they telling you in person? Are they telling their kid and their kids telling you? Like, what, what does that look like? Anytime a parent has not liked what I was doing, I, first of all, tell them, they need to understand that their child's success is my only goal, right? So it's the only thing I'm interested in is them succeeding. And then how do we get from here to there? So a lot of times it's not what you're learning. Like, like we learn the same things over and over again, right? Like, like I mean – Math scales, but in English it's like it's pretty much the same stuff we're just going deeper. we're talking about irony, we're talking about symbolism, we're talking about characterization, we're talking about conflict and all that stuff, and so it's really just about like deeper level like thinking skills and critical thinking skills and um learning how to solve interesting problems and learning how to be a leader in the classroom like those are the real themes, I think all the other stuff is like you can just watch a YouTube video and figure out what the hell theme is um but you can't watch a YouTube video and and practice being a good leader or being a good speaker in class or figuring out interesting problems. So I think that it's about having that conversation with parents and then maybe ask them like, well, how did, what, like in an ideal world, you know, if you could decide what this looked like, like, how would you navigate these waters? Like, what would you have the kids doing then maybe sometimes just listening and then seeing if they're right. Maybe they have like some interesting ideas on, on what to do, but, I would also maybe talk to your administration and say, uh, or or a more senior teacher and saying like, hey, look, this is what's happening. How like have you ever dealt with this before and what worked or did anyone deal with this parent last year? And they felt the same way about your class and like how do you work through that? So you're finding resources amongst your peer group in school. And then also just at least entertaining the thought of like, well, that's really interesting. Here's what I say to people when they give me an idea, like when they say they don't like my class or they don't like how, what's going on with their kid. Well, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Like, like I'm I'm interested now, instead of like feeling standoffish right away, it's kind of like entering into the conversation and, and just seeing what's there. Uh, Lauren M is saying any advice for high school students who want to become a teacher in the future, I would say, Lauren, start teaching now, like you know, more than someone, right, whether that's a fourth grader, a fifth grader, a third grader, whatever it is, what can you teach them? How can you tutor them? Maybe there's an after school program at the local elementary school you can get involved in. Like, So my daughter does, what does she do after school? Newspaper. Uh, newspaper. Oh, she just quit that. Call. Oh, she quit. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> being a coach on a, on a team or an assistant coach on a team or volunteering to help with field day or something. So what you're doing is exercising that muscle of like being around students, being around young people, work, helping them work stuff out. And that, goes a long way, like that starts getting you excited and gets you like that little, those bits of experience that um, you're just gonna be able to draw on later on. Uh, did you have another one? That next one? I did that one. Oh, yeah. We'll do that one. Yeah. All right, Jerry Kriz Jerry is saying, what would you say is the biggest issues facing students and teachers today and how does that manifest in the classroom or the workspace? I, I think for me, It's having students that do not believe in themselves and do not believe in the process. I have so many kids that they have their, you know, what they want to do is become either a rapper or a football player or a basketball player, right? Even though they're four foot seven, they're not currently on the football team or the basketball team, and they've never written a rap or rhyme in their lives, but they're going to be a famous rapper. And so I don't tell them that they're, that they're not going to achieve that. It's like, but you have to understand that like if you reverse engineer this like you're starting now not when you get better headphones not when you get into the studio not when you get you know your band together not when you get on the right team it's like that process starts now and it's every single day all the time that's you have to be almost obsessive about what you want to do like Kobe Bryant didn't just show up and be like I think I want to be on the basketball team and they were like, "Well, we think that's a great idea. So, let's start playing basketball." No, he had to practice all the time even when everyone else wasn't. And then I think for me it's a lot of my students and this is an overgeneralization. This is not all of my students, but I've seen a lot of them and I've seen this situation so that's the experience I'm drawing upon here. Is that teaching African American boys that self-admittedly do not come from um backgrounds where there's a lot of other African-American men that are like kind of killing the game out there that there's no, they cannot, they, they can't be it because they can't see it. They, they, they've not seen someone that has grown up and like done well and um been successful. Most of those folks are in the entertainment industry or playing sports. And that's what they see as success because they see a guy that is like, come from nothing, right? And we celebrate these stories, which we should come from nothing and made something out of themselves, but they don't see how that could relate to business or to um, being a community member or to like a- anything else, right? Those dreams, they, they don't even know that they exist. So that's part of the reason that I love to not just bring, not just African-American men, but I do have a focus on that in my classroom because I want my boys to see someone that they can look like, that they can actually envision being that person and then what that what that would look like and being able to build a connection with that person or hearing their story of like, yeah, I got out of school and I always wanted to be a chef. So this is how I did it. This, these are the steps I took and I built a network and what that looks like and what this looks like um, coming from a neighborhood like yours or I just think that those sorts of experiences really truly help students to start believing in themselves. And then I think it's the teacher's job to believe in kids even when kids don't believe in themselves. Because then that is, I think that just blows kids' minds. I think that they're just not, it just makes zero sense to them. Like, why do you care so much? Why do you why do you give a crap whether I pass or fail? Why do you give a crap whether I'm listening or whether I'm on time to class? Because bro, I believe in you so much and all I want is for you to do well. But I know, but I but you're not the only one. Like I need you to be quiet in class because these dudes are trying to learn also. Or I need you to pay attention for two minutes because I need you to hear what I'm saying so that you can do something with that idea. And then whether it's argue it or support it or whatever it is, like these are all things that we're trying to learn. And so I, I to me, I think that's the that's the biggest struggle in my classroom anyway. We well, have two questions. As as cool. ao sis, I think it is. Uh, Hey, question. I'm currently a sophomore in university and will be teaching English as a second language in the near future. The kids constantly lack motivation and skills to fully understand English. What can I do? WCID, I think. Is that what can I do? Uh, yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. Um, I, I think building motivation is about stepping into your student's world. I think it's, it's a lot of teachers think about what are they excited about? Whether they like Avengers or Star Wars or video games or whatever it is, and then they try and teach through that lens. What would it look like if you got a deep understanding of who your students are or where they came from or what their situation is and you taught through that lens? What it would look like? What would it look like if all of your students play Fortnite and you've never played Fortnite in your life, but you started a Fortnite account, you start playing Fortnite, not necessarily with your students, but could, and then taught through that lens. That would be awesome, right? What would it look like if you got into something totally asinine? Like your students all like hunting and you friggin' went hunting or you liked went cooking or you hung out in their neighborhood, or like I think we need to be able to like, you know, I when I think of someone like St. Patrick, right? So St. Patrick, um, from what I understand, was you know, this guy that wanted to tell everybody about God and about hit like about he essentially was trying to spread the message of the gospel and to do that he went and got drunk in bars with dudes and like met them where they were so that he could talk to them about the thing and so i think as teachers we do the same thing we meet students where they are and get into what they're into and then we kind of we teach through that lens and i just think that that is a better way of going about stuff. And I think that's a, my number one way to build motivation. All right, you can build these two together. Um, these Brad two? Miller and Molly, because they're both about parents. Okay, so these are, Brad Miller and Molly kind of have similar questions here. Um, how often do you send messages, calls to parents about good things that are happening with students and Molly, what do you do if you, if you can't reach a parent, no working phone number or phone number listed, no letter sent, come back home. So I think One, I used to call home a lot. And uh, for good and bad stuff, I don't call home a lot anymore. I just, I don't, I, I, I think that's something I lack on, to be honest with you. Like, I wish I kind of did that more. But to be honest, at the end of the day, when I spend another hour with students and then I'm driving home, the last thing I want to do is like call home and, and tell parents what's going on because that extra time that I would have had has spent is spent helping students. And literally, lately, every single prep is somebody going through it right now, to the point where I even have other teachers that are coming to me and saying like, hey, this is going on in my classroom. Do you think you could help me out with it? And then I go and help them. So it's it's like a time constraint thing, really. But I think it's a great move. I think calling home and telling people, especially kids that get in trouble all the time, like, hey, look, your kid just did this one nice thing today. And I just want to tell you about it because I was so moved by it. I just think that that changes. It's unexpected. I think when you can meet people in unexpected moments, it is the greatest because that's when you can really change them. When you hit them with a shot that they've never been hit with before, although I'm not suggesting you hit anybody, um, it's a really great move. And so when you can't, Connect with parents. I, you know, what can you do? I, I, you know, barring the school going on like a home visit, which is probably what my school would end up doing, um, I think just supporting that student and getting a team of people around them so they can feel supported because they're op- they're probably not feeling supported at home if parents don't even want to answer those calls or emails or letters. So creating a network of people around them that they can pull on. So if I'm out one day. This homie knows that they can go to Miss Cho, or they can go to Mister Wascom or they can go to Mister Dell, or or whoever else they connect with. And I just think that's it's that's a good move to make. We good. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have to eat dinner, and it's uh, it's getting late here, and my kids have a school day tomorrow. So real quick before you sign off, um, and the Eagles are on, and the Eagles are on soon. Um, closed Facebook group. You can find the link right here. Uh, it's it's on, and so right. just click on that. Answer three simple questions. We let you in the group, and it's going to be awesome. I'm really, really excited to see how that is. Also, if you're interested in mentoring, please let me know. Um, send me an email that you're serious, and I will send you what that's going to look like, what that cost, what what times we would do it, all that kind of stuff. Because I really, more than anything, like I love answering these questions. And for those of you that need it, I'd love to be able to go that little bit of a deeper level with you. Um, and really hear what your feedback is, hear how things are working, check in once a week, see what's going on or twice a week and see and like try and move that needle um, in, in a better direction than maybe you feel like it's moving right now. Gang, I think you are the greatest. I think you show up here every week because you are trying to do great work in your classroom. And I want you to know that I appreciate that so much. Um, thank you for being awesome.